It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. In 1922, the Hotel Majestic in New York City hosted a swanky, elegant reception for heroes of World War I. The event's organizers hired photographers, poured champagne, and set out aperitifs. As hotel personnel rolled out the red carpet, soldiers of all ranks strode in in full uniform and regalia. The medal-adorned veterans made quite the sight, but one of them was not like the others. With a sand-colored coat and a low-clipped tail, the bull terrier trotting alongside one of the soldiers stuck out like a sore thumb amongst the well-heeled humans. Before the mangy mutt caused a ruckus, the hotel manager approached the esteemed veteran to inform him that dogs were not allowed at the event. The veteran, Corporal James Robert Conroy, turned back towards the manager with a smirk. Conroy said, loud enough for the whole room to hear, A dog? This is no dog. This is a war hero. Welcome to Dog Tales, a podcast original. Every week, we tell the stories of historic, heroic canines. We'll profile dogs who saved people from earthquakes, went to outer space, and even spurred the invention of Velcro. If you're looking for fun stories and a warm heart, you're barking up the right tree. I'm your host, Alastair. You can find episodes of Dog Tales and all other podcast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Dog Tales for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Dog Tales in the search bar. At Parcast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. This week, we're telling the story of Sergeant Stubby, the bull terrier whose life-saving skills made him a hero during World War I. Likely... Sometime in 1916, 24-year-old James Robert Conroy marched on the manicured campus of Yale University to join the army. The US was about to join the Great War, and Conroy was ready to serve his country. But basic training was no walk in the park. Every day with the 26th Yankee Division was grueling, with early wake-up calls, demanding drills, and harsh discipline. Luckily, there was some relief to be had. Every weekend, Conroy and his fellow recruits went to downtown New Haven, Connecticut to unwind and have a few beers. One night out in the town, Conroy noticed a friendly yellowish dog begging for attention. He appeared to be an American bull terrier with some bulldog mixed in. He had a jutting jaw, small pointy ears, a truncated tail and fur the color of wet sand patches of white covered his nose. Roughly two feet tall on all fours, he was too big to be a puppy, but too active to be an old dog. Conroy looked around, but the dog didn't seem to belong to anyone. 
He asked around a bit and found out this homeless, nameless animal lived off of the leftovers from the local cook's meals. Conroy felt an immediate attachment to the scruffy pup. He was so well-mannered it was hard to believe he slept in the streets. The stray strode around as though he deserved better, and Conroy agreed. Unfortunately, there was little the soldier in training could do at the moment. Dogs weren't allowed at the barracks. But the two continued to bond during training, at drinking trips downtown and throughout New Haven. The dog was always there, like Conroy's shadow. One day, the dog was waiting for Conroy at the university's main gates as the recruit returned from downtown. As Conroy approached, the terrier leapt up, greeting him like an old friend. Conroy was delighted. He hadn't known the dog for long, but it felt like they were lifelong friends. Conroy decided to adopt the dog and risk taking him into camp. When the drill sergeant wasn't looking, Conroy made a bed for the canine underneath his own bunk. He named the dog Stubby, after his short and thick tail. The other soldiers instantly gravitated towards the warm, affectionate pup. They loved him so much, they put Stubby's name on the regimental strength, a list of all the men in their unit. But while the men were training, Conroy's sergeant discovered the stowaway in the barracks. The sergeant's first instinct was to throw the mangy stray onto the streets where he came from. But then again, the men had been in a better mood lately. Perhaps Stubby was a morale boost. So the sergeant decided to let Stubby stay. Over the next few weeks, Stubby became acquainted with the daily routine of camp life. He learned that bugle calls set the pace of the day from waking up in the morning to the mess call. Soon, he was shepherding the men down to their meeting point like he was their commanding officer. Then, he practiced the drills alongside the men until he could dive in the mud and run suicides just as fast as they did. Within a few months, Stubby was a part of every march, drill, and bugle call. During combat drills, Stubby's ears would ring as he heard the deafening blasts of artillery fire. But he stayed plastered to Conroy's side. He dropped and crawled, hitting the ground just as the soldiers around him did. As the days went on and he kept hearing the shell's high-pitched whining, his reactions got faster and faster. He would hear the whine, freeze, and put his paws over his ears long before his human companions even noticed the sound. By doing so, Stubby served as an early warning system for the blasts. And Stubby didn't just shine in battle drills. He was also Conroy's wingman at parties. In his trademark trick, Stubby mimicked the men by putting his right paw up to his eyebrow and saluting. Stubby would give Conroy a serious look until the man raised his arm in his own salute. The crowd cooed, applauded, and reached down to pet the bull terrier. Conroy knew then he had made the right choice by taking Stubby in. Although life wasn't easy, it was good. But then, in April 1917, President Woodrow Wilson signed a declaration of war on Germany. There would be no more downtown drinking or party crowds for Conroy and Stubby. Even though they hadn't finished training yet, the regiment would be in action by the end of the summer. 
In mid-September, Conroy was informed he'd be heading to France at any moment on the SS Minnesota. He looked at Stubby with trepidation. He would have to leave the stocky dog behind, unless he could think of something fast. As he loaded up his backpack and packed away his tent, Conroy devised a plan. Stubby was too valuable of a companion to go back to bones and scraps in the street. The bull terrier was comforting, affable, and made him feel less alone. Conroy had to smuggle his dog onto the ship. The risks were high. If Stubby was caught, the commanding officer might throw him overboard. Originally, Conroy was going to pack the canine in his bags. But Stubby was too big for that, so the soldier created a new plan. He wrapped Stubby in a large coat like a baby and carried him up the gangplank. The commanding officers might have wondered why a soldier was holding an infant bundled up tight on a ship. One might have even heard an errant bark. Yet somehow, nobody said anything. They may have intentionally overlooked the dog. Perhaps Stubby's reputation as an entertaining party guest preceded him. Safe in Conroy's greatcoat, Stubby sat in the coal bin for the first 12 hours of the trip. Conroy enlisted the help of a crew member on the SS Minnesota who watched the door until the ship had moved far enough away from land. Once the coast was clear, Conroy finally let the dog out of the coat and onto the ship. A few officers saw Stubby and Conroy froze, unsure how they'd react. The soldier wondered if they would let him stay or if they would throw Stubby out to drown at sea. The commanding officers bent down, but just to pet the sandy pup, Stubby licked their hands. They could tell how important the dog was to the men, and they wouldn't mind a friend themselves. The voyage lasted nearly a month, and though a few of the men may have become irritated by the close quarters and seasickness, Stubby was happy as ever. According to one newspaper, Stubby's life aboard the Minnesota was one soup bone after another. One of the ship's machinists even made Stubby a set of soldiers' dog tags. It was a way of saying that Stubby was one of their own. In October 1917, the boat docked safely at a port in France. As they exited the SS Minnesota, Conroy wrapped Stubby in the giant greatcoat again. Like a good dog, he was silent and didn't bark until they reached safety once again. When Conroy met his new commanding officer, the man asked how on earth he transferred a dog from Connecticut to France. Conroy explained how Stubby had become a loyal friend, but the commanding officer wasn't yet convinced. Once again, Stubby had to win someone over. To show the officer Stubby's discipline, Conroy saluted his dog. Stubby sat back on his haunches and raised his right paw in his signature salute. The commanding officer's jaw dropped. Stubby was in. Stubby was so popular, he became the 26th Division's official mascot. It meant he was formally allowed to accompany the men into the trenches. Conroy was ecstatic. The private would have his loyal dog by his side through whatever madness and horror awaited him. The men were about to enter a world very different from the comparatively lax training grounds at Yale. 
the military was trying to train an enormous number of new recruits under an abridged timeline. Some 4 million men had been drafted in the five months since the Selective Service Act was enacted on May 18, 1917. The army was churning out military weapons as fast as they could, but there was still a serious shortage. As they headed to the front lines, many soldiers were forced to use out-of-date rifles or wooden props in lieu of actual guns and bayonets. The army just couldn't prepare the men properly. They had to work with whatever they had. Instead of military firepower, the soldiers learned how to dig trenches, lunge with bayonets, and build barriers out of barbed wire. The men assembled to be a part of the AEF, the American Expenditure Forces, and were led into France. The soldiers of the 26th Division journeyed towards the approaching German front, their official mascot leading the way. The odds were stacked against them, but Stubby would do everything he could to keep them safe. Up next, Stubby becomes the regiment's secret weapon. Now, back to the story. Although Stubby provided James Conroy and the 26th Division with comfort and companionship, the realities of war were still a massive shock. Combat troops were moved by boxcar, not by passenger coach. The boxcars were unadorned and cold, and if the men were lucky, they'd find one filled with straw. If not, they'd stand for hours on the moving train. With few rations to go around, the soldiers were often left to cook and scrounge for themselves. Eventually, the men were forced to trade clothing for food. The weather was mild, so heavy clothes seemed less important than a good meal. But through it all, Conroy kept Stubby safe. Soon, the loyal terrier would repay the favor. By the time the 26th Division got to France in October 1917, the war had already been raging for three years. As they approached the front lines, Conroy and Stubby plodded past field hospitals crammed with injured soldiers. It wasn't just the enemy that served as a threat. Incessant rain soaked Stubby and the soldiers. The grounds they were expected to walk through was filled with thick, impassable mud. The soldiers saw horses drowned in the heavy sludge, buried up to their nostrils. Conroy carried Stubby in his arms to prevent him from sinking. In The Most Decorated Dog in History, author Isabel George writes that Conroy made a silent promise to his friend. I will not let anything happen to you. I promise I will get you home safe and live a life beyond this hell of war. Stubby made his own silent promise to Conroy to bring him back to reality during his worst moments. The dog had a knowing look that he acquired in times of danger. Whenever Conroy panicked, he could just look at Stubby's serious gaze and be pulled away from the brink of despair. Conroy looked at Stubby often as the war raged on. Fall turned to winter. The snow was harsh and the cold would bite, making man and dog shiver. Many men suffered especially those who'd given away their heavy coats in exchange for food when the weather was warmer. In January 1918, the 26th Division was stuck in the mudfields of the Champagne-Marne in northeast France. 
with the ground frozen over, it was impossible to move any heavy artillery. This meant they were stuck in a strange no-man's land, unable to push forward, but unable to turn back. Stubby and the soldiers worked in six to eight feet wide trenches, which held whatever rain, sleet, snow, and ice may have collected overnight. Soon, the men lost all feeling in their fingers and toes. Back at camp, there was a lack of fuel, so many of the bunkers didn't have heating. Their leather boots, which were constantly wet, began to rot. It's unclear how Conroy sheltered Stubby from all this, but he somehow kept Stubby alive. Still, Stubby suffered as the men suffered, and from that, they formed a deep bond of solidarity. Early in 1918, Stubby's regiment got a new commander, Colonel John Parker. He was known for his stern presence and his expertise in rapid-fire weapons. Parker was gruff, serious, and all business. Conroy worried Stubby would have to win over yet another authority figure, but by now, Stubby was an old pro. Stubby quickly charmed the commander, showing off his trademark salute. Parker was delighted and easily swayed. It was reported that Stubby was the only member of Parker's regiment that could talk back to him and get away with it. As the snow melted, the men could move artillery again. This meant they could continue to push the Germans out of France. In the hopes of a German retreat, Conroy was assigned a new task. He was to travel back and forth from the front lines, gathering eyewitness reports and bringing them back to American intelligence headquarters. This was a dangerous job, as it brought him and Stubby right up to the forefront of the fighting. When Conroy and Stubby arrived at the front lines, they heard a constant stream of gunshots. Stubby was unfazed. In fact, a Washington Post article claims that Stubby never once winced under fire. If anything, the frightening conditions only made him braver. Another article in the New York Times describes how Stubby combined an angry howl with a mad canter from one part of the lines to the other. Even though the Yale fields now felt like so long ago, the training he had received there remained intact. Conroy, Stubby, and the rest of the regiment moved forwards, a unit linked in solidarity. But Stubby's regiment was about to face an even bigger threat than gunfire, mustard gas. This silent, surprise killer looked just like a morning mist, it attacked a soldier's eyes, burning their skin and corroding their lungs. The men tried to make crude gas masks, but sometimes the poison arrived too quickly, leaving hundreds of dying men and animals in a toxic cloud. Conroy was horrified at the possibility of Stubby succumbing to a gas attack. He had ordered a French doggy mask for Stubby, but the mask didn't attach correctly to his head. Luckily, Conroy was able to persuade a French lieutenant to build a makeshift mask. Like so many others, the lieutenant was happy to help the dog. He made Stubby a custom mask using military supplies, and Conroy trained his dog to wear it without ripping it off. Stubby probably thought it was just another party trick. He didn't know it would save his life. 
Conroy awoke one day to Stubby running up and down the trenches, barking up a storm. This was very abnormal behavior for the dog, and Stubby yipped louder and louder, even nipping at sleeping soldiers. Finally, he buried his head underneath a nearby blanket, but continued to yelp. Soon, Stubby's whole body was underneath the thick blanket. Suddenly, Conroy realized it was a gas attack. Conroy threw on his and Stubby's gas masks, then helped distribute protection to the other men. For some, it was too late. The gas had entered their lungs, throat, and eyes. But Stubby's barks had alerted many others to the danger. He had saved his master's life as well as many others. Stubby's barks would never be ignored or slept through again. Another night, as artillery shells bombarded their trench, Conroy saw Stubby duck. For a horrible moment, he thought his dog was hit. But Stubby was only covering his head. Seconds later, an explosion hit nearby. Conroy was thrown off his feet, but was unharmed. Stubby had sensed the shell. If the men watched him, they could follow his lead and hit the ground ahead of the impending explosions. Yet again, Stubby's military training had paid off. Conroy was incredibly proud of his best friend. One sergeant, John J. Curtin, was so thankful for Stubby's life-saving nose, he composed a poem for the regiment's mascot. It reads, Listen to me and I will tell of a dog who went all through hell. He always knew when to duck the shells and buried his nose at the first gas smells. Throughout the war, Stubby kept the men company as they stood watch late into the night. He snuggled them as they slept. When the men were tired, cold, and beaten down by the elements, Stubby was there, licking their faces. He had a knack for knowing exactly who needed their spirits lifted on any given day. The soldiers leaned on him for support as they moved closer and closer to the German border. The big battles were still on the horizon. James Conroy and his men traveled eastward through France until they met with German guards at the Battle of Seschprey on April 20th, 1918. This engagement was considered the first major American infantry battle of World War I. The two sides clashed less than 50 miles away from the German border. It had the potential to shift the war in the Allies' favor. Conroy's regiment met the Germans head-on, while Stubby was ordered to stay in the trenches. After multiple rounds of artillery fire, the Germans began to withdraw. Sensing that victory was near, Stubby leaped up from the trenches. But the danger hadn't yet passed. As grenades rained around Stubby, Conroy shouted for the dog to get back to safety. But it was too late. A German soldier threw a grenade right at Stubby. It burst, and the dog went flying. Conroy's breath caught in his chest. Shrapnel hit Stubby's chest and left leg. Conroy ran to grab his dog and took him in his arms. He laid the panting dog on his makeshift trench bed and reluctantly returned to the fighting. Once the Germans officially retreated, he called for the medic. Stubby 
was somehow still alive. Stubby's injuries were so bad, he ended up in the Red Cross Field Hospital for several days. The wounds were properly cleaned out and stitched up by field surgeons. The fact that Stubby was attended to quickly, even on one of the deadliest days of the war, was a testament to his growing popularity. When Stubby left the battlefield, a newspaper reported that, for days, there was a deep gloom in the outfit lest Stubby should not get well. But word passed that the dog would recover, and the soldiers' spirits soon lifted. After a month spent recovering, Stubby was welcomed back by Conroy and all of the 26th Yankee Division. They had greatly missed their dog. They kissed and hugged the bull terrier tightly. Conroy thought the worst was over, but the 26th Division would soon encounter their greatest challenge yet, one that would change the entire direction of the war. Coming up, Stubby becomes a rescue dog. Now, back to the story. Despite the Americans' attempts to push the Germans back, the war was far from decided. In May 1918, the German army was approaching the Marne, a river east of Paris. James Conroy, Stubby, and the rest of the 26th Division boarded railcars to defend the French line. By the time they arrived, fighting had already gone on for over a month. 2nd Division Marines had taken back some of the land the Germans took, and Stubby's regiment's job was to defend those gains. The fighting would take place in the open air, so the men were without trench protection and shelter. Both Stubby and Conroy were much more likely to be hit with shrapnel and bullets. The two forces were roughly a match in terms of brute strength. Stubby was on constant alert as he heard the rattling of gunshots, the release of mustard gas, and the screams of men day in and day out. However, the Allied soldiers were in luck. As Conroy relayed instructions between the command tent and the front lines, the Germans were falling back, little by little. Stubby ran back and forth with Conroy from the front lines to command posts, tracking the nature of the German retreat and gathering intel. Occasionally, Stubby would circle around his men with a howl, as if he was trying to encourage his troops. The men's morale certainly seemed boosted, as they were galvanized to attack even harder despite being evenly matched. The Germans retreated yard by yard. However, this meant that the 26th Division was seeing a lot of dead bodies, mostly German with the occasional Allied soldier. Because of the mounting death toll, Stubby took on new responsibilities, those of a rescue dog. He would sniff around until he found an injured soldier. Then he would bark to the ambulance crews for help. For those who couldn't be saved, he would lick their face and cuddle next to them as they passed away. Stubby knew his job on the field was to bestow a sense of comfort, security and loyalty, and his abilities were only enhanced as a rescue dog. The number of deaths certainly took an emotional toll on Stubby, but Conroy was always there to pet him and revive his spirits. Under the strain of battle, Stubby and Conroy's relationship had transformed into a true partnership. Conroy's grandson says, their relationship was seamless. They were one, 
The dog may have been what got him through the war. Stubby's connection was not just growing with Conroy, but with the regiment as a whole. In fact, he was slowly becoming famous. So many men from the hospital to the front lines had this dog to thank for escaping with their lives. But Stubby could do more than save lives. He proved to be a capable soldier as well. In late September 1918, the men woke up to Stubby's distinct bark. A screaming infantryman was standing on the top of the trench, and Stubby had a mouthful of his flesh in his jaw. Stubby was not letting go. Conroy realized this was a German. Stubby had captured a prisoner of war all by himself. Conroy hung the spy's German iron cross on Stubby's body as a token of his accomplishment. He placed it below Stubby's tail, right next to his behind. All the American soldiers laughed when they saw it. But Stubby was given official awards as well, not just joke medals. He was reportedly awarded three sergeant stripes for his bravery, effectively being promoted to sergeant. Ironically, Stubby now outranked his master. He became the first American dog to take an official army rank, and his new nickname was Sergeant Stubby. But hopefully, soon Stubby's rank wouldn't matter. After the Germans were obliterated by additional infantry and aircraft units, they surrendered and signed a peace armistice on November 11, 1918. But Stubby, Conroy, and the rest of the regiment were still fighting up until the last minute at Meuse and Argonne in France. Bullets continued to fly as they had done every day for months. According to author Isabel George, a German fired at Conroy, striking the American soldier in the head. Seeing his master in pain, Stubby howled. Nobody had ever heard him cry like that before. But somehow, Conroy was still breathing. Menix placed him on a stretcher and carried Conroy to the field hospital. Stubby was next to him the whole time, licking his face, arms and hands, making sure his master knew he was there. However, Conroy was so injured, he had to be moved to the American hospital in Paris. Soon, Stubby and Conroy were traveling in an ambulance together. While Stubby was fretting over his master, an issue arose. This more formal hospital might not accept Stubby into its corridors. However, the doctor in charge of Conroy's case understood the importance of keeping man and dog united. No doubt Stubby's friendly, happy-go-lucky presence also helped to sway his decision, as it had for so many others. While Conroy fought for his life, the rest of the regiment was brought to Verdun, where they were fed, bathed, given fresh clothing, and finally allowed to rest. They were finally finished fighting, but at a steep cost. By war's end, it is estimated that a third of the division's injured soldiers had been wounded severely enough to be disabled. Conroy could have been a part of that statistic, but he quickly recovered. No doubt Stubby's energetic spirits helped. According to home care provider Comfort Keepers, Having a pet by a patient's side helps reduce stress and adds motivation to get better. By this point, Stubby had earned his celebrity status amongst the army. 
anyone who didn't respect Stubby was frowned upon. The dog was fawned over, and for good reason. He had saved many lives, and always with a wagging tail and a friendly lick. As a thank you for liberating them from the Germans, some French women gave Stubby a chamois leather coat to wear in cold weather. The garment was sized to snap under the dog's belly and button under his neck. The emblem in the center of the coat had each of the Allied nations' flags within it. On the back and sides, Conroy attached the dog's campaign medals, including the French Medal of Verdun, the Republic of France Grand War Medal, the Saint Mihiel Campaign Medal, and the Thierry Campaign Medal. After the war, Stubby's coat would gain a Purple Heart among America's highest honors for bravery in conflict. The dog had fought in 17 deadly battles in four campaigns and survived it all. After Conroy recovered, it was time to go back to America. Conroy wrapped Stubby in the same great coat as he did when they first arrived. The coat was now torn and eroded by the elements. But the officers on duty again turned a blind eye to the scruffy dog held by the weary soldier, and the pair found their way back onto American soil. John J. Curtin wrote one more poem about the dog that had become as close as a brother. He sang, North of Verdun were our hardest battles, and many brave men gave death rattles. But Stubby came through hell okay, and is ready to go back. To the USA. The rest of America lauded Stubby just as much as Curtin did. Stubby became the most decorated dog in America. His sergeant stripes were sewn along his Yankee division patch, and he met three United States presidents Wilson, Coolidge, and Harding, who all treated the dog with deference and remarked at his trick salute. Wilson even shook Stubby's paw. On the street, he was recognized by citizens who bent down to pet the heroic canine. The YMCA gave him three bones a day and a lifetime membership. He was also a lifetime member of the American Legion. He led parades all throughout the United States. Famous artist Charles A. A. Whipple painted his portrait. James Conroy went to study law at Georgetown University, and Stubby went with him. Even there, Stubby was a leader. He became the mascot of the football team, nudging the ball around with his nose to the amusement of fans. Later, Conroy, ever the patriot, would go on to work for the FBI. Stubby lived the rest of his life in luxurious happiness. And though he couldn't always accompany Conroy on his FBI assignments, the two were still as thick as thieves. The public continued to adore Stubby as well. After he passed away in 1926, the New York Times published a half-page obituary, one of the few for an animal. Conroy presented Stubby's remains to the Smithsonian, who took them to preserve forever in their institute in Washington, D.C. Later, Conroy's descendants erected a life-size statue of Stubby at the Veterans Memorial Park and Stubby's official portrait hangs in the West Haven Military Museum in Connecticut to this day. Stubby went beyond the call of duty and is recognized all throughout America for his loyalty, bravery, and dedication. 
He played a key role in keeping Corporal Conroy and many others in the 26th Division safe. And for that, he should be saluted. Thanks for listening to Dog Tales. For more information about Sergeant Stubby, we found Sergeant Stubby, How a Stray Dog and His Best Friend Helped Win World War I and Stole the Heart of a Nation by Anne Bossom especially helpful to our research. Every dog has his day, and our day is Mondays. We'll be back then with a new episode. You can find more episodes of Dog Tales and all other podcast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite podcast originals like Dog Tales for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Dog Tales on Spotify, just open the app and type Dog Tales in the search bar. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. Join us next week for another good story about a good dog. Dog Tales was created by Max Cutler and is a Parcast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Dick Schroeder, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Erin Larson. This episode of Dog Tales was written by Amanda Prager, with writing assistance by Maggie Admire. I'm Alastair Murden. Thank you.